Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Rob, normally I have an intro that we're going to do. I've... Normally I have a thing I want to I want to talk about. I'm gonna intro what this podcast is, but all, all I'm gonna do is I'm gonna I'm gonna hit play on this, and I'm just I just have one question to ask of you, Rob Zachney. Every episode I start with one question: Are the Bears back? They're back, baby. <laughs> the rebuild is underway, and the future is so bright in Chicago. <laughs> it's so loud. <laughs> Justin Fields, the greatest thing to happen to the NFL since the T formation. Oh, my God. Yes. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Waypoint Sports and Sports Adjacent Podcast. It sets out to disprove the notion that people lives to get into pixels jumping around the screen can't also be unhealthily interested when nerds condescendingly referred to as sports ball every Super Bowl. I already asked you the question, Rob, but did you watch that game? Did you watch the game? I did. I stupidly signed up for NFL Plus. Which is uh, what? so that's their uh, full replays with the all 22 uh, okay. camera and the radio calls. Uh-huh. And such. It used to be a pretty decent service. Uh, they revamped it and relaunched it to make it better. It's actually worse in many <laughs> respects. Uh, so I'm not sure like what they did with all that. But uh, yeah, for 80 bucks, uh, I can watch a highly compressed, low res uh, replay of the game. But I can also watch the all 22 uh, which is cool to give you the full view of the field. Do you want to explain uh, to people what the All-22 is? I think, like, even football fans may not know exactly what that means. Yeah, uh, so everyone's familiar with the way football looks on TV, right? The the camera's basically lined up with uh, right right in between uh, where the where the two teams line up. Uh, and Which is you, a weird way to watch football because it's not how it's played, right? Like, we right. look at it, we look at it horizontally, it's a game that's played vertically. <laughs> right. Like the, the way the way the game is conceptualized is what the, the camera angle you see in Madden, uh, which now you see a lot more in NFL broadcasts Correct. Uh, via yes, like the spider cam yeah. they've got they've got running around there. But the thing is, both these like camera angles have limitations, namely that, you know, they, they try to follow the action, but they are zoomed in. They are cropped uh, views of the field and the NFL, especially, you know, as the years go by has become increasingly a passing league uh, where the field is being stretched by receivers running routes. And so a lot of times key things are happening by, uh, like right off screen because the players involved have literally run out of the frame. And so especially when we're talking about things like quarterback decision making or what's happening in a passing game, who's open, 
you don't really have any idea if you're watching the broadcast because you can't actually see where the receivers and the defensive backs are sort of scrapping it out for position. You only see the results of that when the quarterback decides to fire a pass, uh, you know, and, and you know, goes one way or the other. The or, or running especially, the, right? Like running is a lot of what they call like stunts and pushes and pulls in which it's like arms on shoulders and body parts that you just can't see. So when you see a running back go like three or four yards and, you're, and you go – I don't understand how they did that. You know, if you were to switch the camera around, you can see where like a guard, you know, pancakes a guy and gets him to the ground. And that's just not something you see in a scrum of two linemen giving themselves minor concussions as they collide into one another. Yeah. And so the all 22 is just a, a hyper zoomed out view uh, where you see the entire keeps all 22 players who are on the field in frame at all times. So you can see the entire play develop uh, and you can see it. Uh, frequently like from the, yeah from that vertical angle where you will get a view of what is happening on the lines what's happening uh with with the receivers and so it's a, it's a cool thing the NFL's tended to like coaches watch the all 22 this is what coaches and teams study and prepare for uh it's a feature that comes with NFL plus it came with game pass it's kind of cool uh but at the same time like I it's one it's like one of the worst sports apps I've ever used, honestly. This is like they are years into this. Mm-hmm. Uh and they just they just relaunched this entire thing and they're like, boy, get a load of the new app. And I'm like, it's the exact same app, but like worse. When it when it um, when it launched alongside this new season, uh, you know, you and I follow like when things get weird in like games media, you follow like, you know, one of the small one versions of this is uh a number of people in the media it's less true these days, but like there's a lot of legacy media folks that have like what's called a Steam Press account, which basically allows yeah. you to log into Steam and add any game to your library. It's extremely useful for coverage purposes. Um, but a lot of people, I, th- I think Valve has started taking these away from people who leave media, but that was not the case for a while. And there'd be times where like it just went down, like either it was a glitch in the system or something. It always came back, but you would see a bunch of games media be like, oh, my God. I can't add whatever games I want to my Steam library. I'm so mad right now. And a different version of that, more le- legitimate version of that, was the, the new Game Pass, The all, you know, stuff rolling out and everyone just groaning at an already archaic system becoming worse under the guise. Well, of they broke new. it for like a full year. Like yeah. they broke the All-22 uh, stuff for, for like all of last season. I stopped subscribing to it. Um, but yeah, it's a cool thing. But like it's not actually that great if you're watching a replay. Uh, and literally I can't get sound to play on the Xbox app, <laughs> uh, which is a fun new glitch. But point is, I watched the Miami game. And I so I, and I asked you, you hadn't been watching in real time. This is definitely the kind of season, despite the Bears having some real promise the last couple of games, It's there's no guarantee that's consistent. And um, especially because it's not as easy for you to just like tune in and watch the games because you're not local, not paying for, uh, you know, uh, uh, what is it? Not not red zone. Um, uh, Sunday ticket. Sunday ticket, which is really know, expensive. It's, it's, it's several hundred dollars. Um, um, and but you know you were watching some of the highlight reels like as it went along, like things going on Twitter. And then I was I implored to you that you should you have to watch this game start to finish. It is one of the most entertaining games I have watched as a a Bears fan, primarily because it is the first time. As far as I can remember, in especially in my uh, you know adulthood, where when the when the when the Bears uh, fumbled uh, a, a punt uh, a punt blocking to like you know kick a kick a punt away, 
and they they took that ball, scooped it up, scored seven points. All I said was, who gives a shit? Give that ball back to Justin. He's going to make magic with it. And every almost every single drive they did. And I mean, I, I have not hooted and hollered to a degree that I have during this game. It was so much fun. I have not felt joy like this in a long time. Yeah, I mean, between so we've had three games in a row now where the offense has actually put a lot of points on the board, and this is the first one. Uh, was they've got uh, Chase Claypool, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the Steelers receiver. Yep. And so he is one of the first like uh, sort of marquee receivers the the Bears have had in in a bit. Uh, I know that like Mooney is a a Bears receiver that has a very good connect like. He's very fast. He's good mm-hmm. at running those vertical routes. Uh, and but he's, and he's also small. He's not like this big body, almost tight endish sort of receiver. He's also not as fast. You know, he's well. He's and there's good. like a mental physical game that comes with playing yeah. wide receiver, where like a lot of times the battle is won right at the line, mm-hmm. where like just how a guy breaks out of uh, the like breaks out of his uh, lineup position is a huge part of that. Like that, he will gain a step or two on the corner covering him. That like the corner struggles to ever get back. If you can do that, you you have a very good chance of being open for your quarterback. And you can see that too, right? Where like, okay, Claypool is opening up routes that weren't there for the Bears. Uh, but also like his, this, pri- his primary role year. in uh, Pittsburgh was to run what they call go balls, which is that you just go get the ball. It's a little more complicated than just run straight. Yeah. But not not too much different. You know, he does run other types of, of routes, but... That was like some of what he was best known for was just run really fast in a straight line um, and try and out beat the guy in a foot race. Um, yeah. And you saw that in the fir- in the opening drive by mm-hmm. the Bears where they got an enormous pass interference because he ran fast. Guys, the, def- the, the Dolphins defense, you know, flipped out and then, you know, they gained 40 yards or whatever on the play through the pass interference. Uh, and that's what you get from a guy that can run fast and like go get a ball. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think he's just got a little more craft than Mooney does. Uh, Mo- Mooney, it seems like he needs to actually have the full foot race to yeah. get it done sometimes. Um, although he's starting to get really good at those back shoulder catches uh, yeah. as well. There's starting to be some some real connection there. But uh, the the point is watching watching this game. Yeah, it is ridiculous how much Justin Fields changes just the te- like. Changes what is possible on on the field when the Bears have the ball because you have the combination of they've started calling more designed runs for him and leaning into the fact that he is uh, yes uh, an elite elite runner. Uh, that has also I think stretched defenses enough where he's finding more open receivers uh, than he used to and so like in that I was surprised that that first half of the game uh, a, a game where he set like a regular season record for. Uh, Rushing yards by, by a quarterback. Yeah, 178. He was, you know, yards away from the NFL record, which is uh, Caps 180, Kaepernick uh, 181 in a yeah. playoff game some some years back. But just, extra, you know, extraordinary numbers by by any measure. And also, like, but in that first half, I was surprised, like, how many great passes there were as well uh, in there. You know, to, like, as, as the defense is sort of, you can see on the tape, the way defenders kind of flinch every time he like makes like he's going to run or he t- 
turns his shoulders like he's going to throw, they react every time because they don't like they do not know what he's about to do. And right. in either case, it could be explosive. Uh, and so that's that's changed. It is something I've never seen a Bears offense be capable of. Like you could say, like go back to the Cutler years. It was like firing shots wildly downfield was how it often felt. And like far, could, he was not like far, like a less talented Favre. Yeah. In 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 which the Jay Cutler had an arm. It was a cannon, as they say, and he could whip that ball down the field. But then you were holding on to your heart because you didn't know if that was going to be an interception or it was going to be like some wild. Uh, he wasn't a particularly accurate deep thrower. He just could throw it really right. far. And Justin Fields can throw it really far. Is an accurate thrower. Um, still struggles in the middle of the field. That's the kind of thing that's going to really unlock his full potential if he can figure out that short yardage stuff. But he's also just faster. You can just see him, you know, doing less of the, like, I'm going to wheel around for 10 seconds, hoping something happens. Usually when he's wheeling around, it's because he's already made the decision to run or he's trying to get the, you know, the linebackers to bite on something. But he still has enough downfield presence where if he does see something open up that makes more sense than the run, he will take the shot. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and like that it's, you know, the, the rap on him was that he was kind of slow at processing the field, uh, which is something you can't really teach. And it's hard to train up even Uh, you either have it or not, but it seems like as he's figured out, like, or as the offense has been retuned around his identity as a player, he is able to rely more on his instincts. Like which, what's the, what, what does, what does it feel like is the right thing to do here? Well, something uh, they were trying to do was, Hey, we have a, a pretty bad patchwork offensive line that hopefully will come up with an identity throughout the season. But we think that they're going to leak a lot of defensive players pretty quickly. Um, so we want you to kind of stick in the pocket, like trust, trust the scheme and like figure that out. And what happened over and over was, the man got fucking crushed. Uh, and now that they've just defaulted to, look, is how he is playing football right now a long-term solution to the game of football? No, but look at Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is not an elite pocket passer, but has developed the ability to combine being a legit running threat with uh, throwing. And like that's that's how you have a long career. And also, you know what? But I, I don't care if he has a long career. I mean, I hope he does. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but also like, let's go have some fun, you know, no, like, I mean, I let the man cook. <laughs> so the, the thing I will say though, is that offense I mean, three games in a row where it's like, what is this offense? And it's like getting faster. It's well, and, getting... And, and, and the, the, the Dolphins have a pretty middling defense, yes. uh, but the Cowboys have potentially the best good one. Uh, uh, defense in football. And um, the Patriots have a, Top ten defense, like maybe, and it wasn't five. the Cowboys' defense that won them that game. It was their offense, no. uh, right. like driving the dagger through the Bears' heart. But like the Bears kept putting points. They hung on in the board. if they if they were able to have gotten, yeah, any stops whatsoever. I don't think they win, but they're you know it doesn't that, that, it, that the final score looked like a blowout. It wasn't really a blowout in that way uh, that right. I think we're, we're used to seeing. It was a blowout because the defense doesn't exist at the moment. And right in the Dolphins game, the only difference was he scored faster. He he just if I not mean, for that blocked punt, the Bears win that game. They uh, scored if more not points. for a missed uh, past interference call, the Bears stand a good chance of winning that game, uh, right? Or at least pushing it to overtime. So the but the thing that occurred to me while I'm watching it is like 
oh, this offense is actually like pretty good and pretty dynamic. And actually, if you had a if you had a middling defense, maybe there's there's more things that are possible with this team. And suddenly I'm like, you know, Roquan Smith getting a lot of love uh, from national uh, TV people, like for after a good Monday night performance yep. uh, with the Ravens. Yeah, he looked good. I'm, I'm happy for him. I no right. ill will to Roquan But there's Smith. a little part of me that's like, uh-oh, they kind of, they sure dynamited the entire defense. Uh, yeah. You know, in, under the assumption that, like, this is going to be a full tank year, there's nothing like there's no bullets in the chamber. Well, I don't know. I don't. Think and then here comes Justin with like two six shooters. Yes, and but I think the Claypool thing is both recognizing they need to give Fields, you know, a, like a field stretcher um, sort of player. Um, but also, uh, they call them moral victories. Um, and this is what this is the textbook textbook definition of a moral victory in which. I was watching this game with, you know, a bunch of other people and I totally understood why there were a handful of people like in the garage we were watching and just like felt like their hair, their hearts were torn out. They're like, oh my, like he was going to go get it. You, he was going to win the game. It felt like how I've watched Rodgers or Mahomes or any of these other incredible quarterbacks, like put the ball in his hands. He's going to go get the touchdown. Like I, yes. or the three points. I was, I was a hundred percent confident. Um, and he did do that. Like he he threw a great ball to 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 get the pi. He threw a fourth down conversion that went literally went through a receiver's hands. And as a result of that, they lost by three points, retained a better draft pick, and proved they have a guy who could be like an elite, like top five, like at worst top ten quarterback. And like that's hard for some fans to stomach the moral victory, yeah. but. Footballs or football teams are organizations. They're long term planning, and like, well, the Bears haven't been one in a few years. No, and I, that's, I, that is the thing that I do bear in mind with this is, you know, there's a part of me that's like, oh shit, they should have gone all in on the season because they like, could have snuck is, into the playoffs if they through. if they kept right if they if they kept you know if they kept, if they kept Quinn they keep uh you know they keep Roquan like you look what's happening with the Packers like there's a scenario where you can imagine them sneaking in as the seventh seed. But what, just to get blown out in the first round and then have a pick in the teens? It's like, no, no, thank you. Like, I yeah. I would, if I, was, if I had my way, they would lose every game in heartbreaking fashion like this and, you know, have a top seven draft pick. In some ways, they're having the season that, like, I think the Lions really wanted to have. They did, uh, yes. Which was, you know, we're going to continue the rebuild, but we're going to, like, put some pride in this team. And mm-hmm. the team's going to come out of like, it's going to lose a lot, but it's going to come away confident uh, from. The and they had a lot of those bit. moral with like, like these moral victories last year where they kept, they, they were, they lost a bunch of one score games and yeah. kept it tight with extremely difficult competition when they had very little talent. And the bears are in that situation as well. But the difference is they have a quarterback. Jared Goff yeah. isn't awful, but he's serviceable. Like maybe he'll be on the Colts next year. Uh, uh, but uh, like, uh, it's you know weirdly I didn't feel this way in the beginning of the season when when Fields looked just kind of iffy, um, but now I mean you know ask me in a month, but I I feel like I I couldn't be more excited the, that like free agents are going to want to come here. This is like the kind of you want to be part of this. You want to be part of Fields. Like look at that man go that sixty five yard or sixty one yard touchdown yeah. that he ripped off, which people are going to forget because. 
uh, it got called back on a on a, a, a like a block in the back penalty. But he did another one of those earlier this year. The third, the third quarter, the uh, third and sixth. Uh, yes, that did, yeah, Mark, didn't count because of it. Just ran didn't. through four guys yeah. who were converging for the tackle. It's like he's he vanishes briefly, like in a puff of in a puff of uh, Dolphins jerseys, and comes out. <laughs> Uh, and then takes it to the house. Uh, by the way, I love Mooney's block on that, where yes. really smartly, not not turning around, not engaging, just moving his body in the way of the guy uh, running the pursuit. Well, route. he was the t- he was apparently the target on that play, and then noticed about you know halfway through that <laughs> Fields was Fields was taken off instead, and seals seals that block. So um, the thing I'll never like, you know, to what degree is this a maturation, and to what degree it is also. Man, they just put train like they put so many weights on this guy. Like, yeah, I think about the way Negi was using him last year. Uh, you know, continue to be like Negi's. Like, I'll can never understand. Andy, what, can you just do the Andy Dalton stuff? Because that's all I got in the playbook. That's what I understand. Yeah, can you just can you just be that guy? Uh, and and really like you know this year it also seemed like the you know the the uh, Hogan Johns and a lot of Bears observers were sort of talking about. What is wrong with Justin Fields that like this organization seems to have so little faith in right. him doing anything? And then you have that game where they get embarrassed on uh, Thursday night. You've got Rich Sherman and that whole panel being like, "What the hell are they doing with this guy? Uh, why are they? Why are they trying to force him into sort of a?" Not quite a full pocket passer, but you know what I mean. They want him to be dropping like, back. To, yeah, like so you're you're protecting him in a way that. Uh, find out what he can do, you know. Yeah. Um. And and they well, it they made him more to... vulnerable because yes. like nobody was getting open. And the minute they were like, "Hey, dude, if you don't if you don't see anything good, just like take it and run." Or here we have some option. Like we'll we'll call an option play. And if you don't like the like the first read, you can just take off. There there'll be blockers for you. Uh. Suddenly, he has emerged as like I don't know. Uh. You know, it's it's clear everyone is suddenly. It's very clear now. He was the best quarterback in that draft. Like yeah. that is that that's done and dusted. Uh, but the other thing is he might be the most exciting quarterback in this league uh, right right now. Like Mahomes doesn't have to make these plays, uh, right? He's, he's he is enough of a deadly passer that he can. Uh, and yet when, know, when he ha- when he has to like I didn't I fell asleep uh, during uh, the, the Monday night game and then caught up on the clips of overtime where yeah. when when asked to just invent magic. You know, we we take we take Mahomes for granted. Like part of what's exciting about someone like Fields is, and the same way that like Lamar Jackson was exciting, even if other quarterbacks were quote unquote better or more well rounded as as players, is that you're just playing different. It's exciting to see a different style of play, and so yeah. that's what's exciting to see about Fields. Is Lamar Jackson is a good runner, but Fields has a speed that is more akin to, and cutting that is more akin to a running back than a quarterback. And that's what makes yeah. it so odd to watch him as a player. I mean, like, it, like if you, I'm sure you saw it in the all 22, but some of the, like the kind of hop he does on that, on that big game is just, you shouldn't be able to do that and then pick up that kind of speed to make it to the end zone. Um, no, and, and, and I think nobody had a chance of cutting, catching him. And I think it's just, it's also just more legible, right. In, in some ways, like this is like his sorts of plays are, uh, 
tech mobile plays in a lot yeah. of ways, right? Where it's like this is this is what you live for when you're playing Madden or you're playing tech mobile. Like guy breaks through the second level, makes a guy miss, and then it's just like uh taking it to the house. And that's awesome. Great quarterbacks, it's a little bit more like they are seeing things that you don't necessarily uh do. They they try a pass and it it, it, it turns out one way or the other, uh and it's cool. But yeah, it's and and also I, I do think, you know, part of the the other thing that has shifted is just uh you know, a lot of these star quarterbacks are off their rookie contract and are now like talent deficiencies develop around these guys because now they're getting paid market rate, right? Now they're now it's like you and, and Mahomes didn't even take that like that wild uh, a contract, but they took away a lot of his weapons uh, in, you know, in, in this last last year. Or well, so. go look at look what I mean, we just saw it like Tyreek Hill. We have a bad defense, but also the Dolphins have done this to everybody. It was yeah. particularly exposed against the Bears, but they just have just enormous speed in which – and it was particularly exposed against the Bears because if you cannot put any pressure on the quarterback, speedsters of that rate will just get open. That is – the bear. The, actually, the strength of the Bears are their safeties and their cornerbacks, but they can only cover for so long. Um, right. And eventually that is going that is going to give, and you, and you saw that on display there. And that, that's what's the Bears in an odd position, frankly, because – they're going to roughly lose three years of the five years as like, this is the year that you want to have in the first year. They're having that in the second year. And that was the cost of the organization riding with Nagy and uh, like uh, pace one more year. Right. And then feels his third year is going to be the year where you spend a bunch of money and then you fight for that wild card. Right. Um, And then, and then you hopefully, you know, if you're, you're kind of looking where the Eagles did, right? Like, Probably make it to the first round, probably lose. But you're like, damn, there's a lot of promise here. Let's keep stacking. And then the fourth year and then – so, you know, there's a lot – again, this is part about the – you can't just look at football in a vacuum. I understand why fans that just tune in on Sundays and are casual, like, it makes total sense. Like, who wants to take a loss? And it's like, well, because it's – like, you don't you don't want to take a loss in theory, but, like, there's more gamesmanship that is happening here because it's a league of parody. Um and well, and we just went through what happens when a team thinks the window is open too early. Uh you know, I mean the 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 Bears sort of pushed all their or, chips or too late. Look at the Packers. <laughs> yeah, boy, exactly. Uh <laughs> that that has been I did not see this coming. No. Uh we'll we'll get there in a second. I wanted to there's a couple of news bits we wanted to hit. I did want to introduce uh, maybe I'm, I'm going to try out a new segment, which is uh, Sports 101. I think some people listen to this, just want to hear us blather on. Some people are, are legitimate sports fans. But um, this question came in and sort of inspired me that maybe this can become a re-inscoring segment. So we're going to call it Sports 101 Question of the Week. This comes uh, – I need to tell people to sign their names when they do the, the Google form. That's that's my bad. Uh, but this is uh, – Dear Robin Patrick, thank you for the show. Uh, I'm listening to stories of sport. Uh, enjoyed listening to stories of sports joy and despair and fond local history. And at the moment, there is one stumbling block as I trot along to join you on this journey of discovery to figure out whether the Bears are, in fact, back. I'm British and ignorant. I keep listening to the show while I'm out for a run, deciding, quote, when I get home, I'm definitely going to look up what a quarterback is. <laughs> By the time I've had a shower and returned to the welcome embrace of the internet, I've always forgotten. So vague cultural osmosis, uh, imagination, I think a quarterback is kind of like the anime protagonist for the team. Everyone is very invested in them in particular. They are a single point of success or failure. I'm not sure exactly why this is. Am I the only one, are they the only one who's allowed to score a touchdown? And are there other players 
uh, spend the game trying to set them up to make the shot. Can other people also score points somehow? I know scores are bigger than in UK football. Anyway, please feel free to tell me to just fucking Google this. But if you'd have fun explaining what a quarterback is and does, I'd be honored to learn from your international sports wisdom. Thank you, Nikki. Oh, they did sign at the end. Um, and so <laughs> I thought this may be a good good spot. Like if people are listening, want to like ask which is seemingly sort of like a dumb or simple question. Not that we are experts, but like maybe relative to Nikki from <laughs> from the UK. Uh, Rob, do you want to take a crack at explaining a little bit of, of what's going on here? The anime protagonist is not a terrible uh, <laughs> metaphor, to be clear. That is, it, the, the NFL has invested a great deal in making the league about the quarterback. Uh, the quarterback position, turning them into big personalities, making them the focal point of everything. Uh, but predominantly, this all stems from the fact that football is a weird bastardization of, like, rugby uh, and like little bits of soccer are mixed in there as well. It didn't uh, used to have the forward pass. Like right. that is like like the thing that we are sitting here talking about that you, you think is so crucial. This must have been part of the sport from the beginning is not true. Like the forward pass was a development along the way of football. And uh, so like when that when that was developed, like as the rules sort of like hardened and solidified, uh, certain formations were outlawed and certain like there became like a template that football had to follow. And part of that template is the ball has to be snapped to someone who stands in a certain position relative to the rest of the rest of the players on the on the field. Uh, and that person is the quarterback. Uh, now, doesn't necessarily the ball doesn't necessarily have to go to someone who is the quarterback for the team. There are teams that do like, you know, sometimes you have someone. Uh, you can spoof someone by snapping it to someone next to the quarterback, et cetera. The Bears, the Bears did this uh, just this week with Cole Komet, their tight end, who took a direct snap to do yep. what is called a quarterback sneak, which is usually where a quarterback like tucks the ball and they are just pushed forward <laughs> by the rest of the line. Um, so it's just like there has to be a designated person, but because over the development of the sport, there's a specific set of skills, both right. mentally, physically, that result in – like the, the the you know the quarterback developing well, as a singular position, and I think the thing that probably if you're not familiar with American football, and I'm always surprised by this when I actually come into contact with a football, the ball is much bigger than you think. Yeah, uh, the ball is harder. The to The ones handle. they sell, like you know, like when you're in like the backyard with like a Nerf football, you're like I can whip this thing fifty yards. I can see how I could do that. A, a real football is so much bigger than you think. It's closer it to is, a soccer ball. It is huge. Uh, and it's relatively heavy and it takes a lot of craft and a lot of arm strength to like throw it accurately fast uh, over a distance, which is what you're asking quarterbacks to do at the at the bare minimum. And that also requires uh, like that requires a lot of intellectual understanding or instinctive understanding of the game. You need to be able to anticipate what is happening. You need to be able to see open throwing lanes that to your eye would look like they're completely blocked. And so it is a really specialized skill set and it's very hard to screen for because, you know, where players are drafted from uh, is college football where the talent level is much, much lower uh, just as a matter of course. And so there's a lot more things you can get away with at that level uh, because the players are frequently not as good, not as well-trained. At the pro level, the game gets much, much harder. Um, it like The way it's described is it feels like the field has just 
shrunk considerably. It feels claustrophobic. The players are bigger. They're faster. And so what is asked of a quarterback is so much more than at any level below the Pro Football League. And so because your team will live or die by the facility your quarterback has with making these decisions and keeping the offense uh, ticking forward down the field as they as they advance toward the end zone where they can score uh, seven points if any player uh, makes it in. But it's their job to direct and deliver the offense to that moment. And it's very hard to find someone who can do that reliably, which is why you end up with the people who can do it, you know, rain or shine, uh, you know, consistently. You hear about them for years because... They're Once unicorns. teams find them, they're like, we're, we want to keep you for like 10, 15 years, please. Right. I mean, this is, this is you know, th- this ties directly <clears throat> into our own angst as fans is the, you just, you, other teams get them sometimes. Why can't we be that team that gets one sometimes? Yeah. Um, and in combination with this, it's worth pointing out that um, as the NFL as an entertainment product has become more and more popular, um, they have crafted the rules in such a way to protect quarterbacks from being injured or hit on a regular basis without there being massive penalties because, because the quarterback as a result of like, you know, as a result of this becomes more and more important and they're, it's more and more difficult to find good competent ones that if a player gets a quarterback gets injured instantly, so much of the team becomes unwatchable and uninteresting. And because it's not just a sport, it's a product. Um, you have the league constantly pushing for more offense, more points, more ways to protect their 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 star quarterbacks, um, which then just inflates the value of them as a result, um, both in the in terms of how the sport is structured, but also in terms of you know how they're they're promoted. They're also just frequently because you know we've talked about this before, but you know they wear helmets, and so you don't see their faces, and they're kind of the one of the few players. Uh, on the field that is frequently seen without a helmet bec- because they are so singular. So it's like whenever a camera pans over to the the sideline, it's going to be the quarterback. So it's kind of a self-reinforcing uh, mechanism. In terms of if every player can score in the field, so technically it has to be running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. On the offensive line, they can call themselves what is, is eligible, mm-hmm. um, which is like I believe they can like stand up and like brush their chest, which then says – I am eligible to uh, be a receiver, but otherwise, if you are otherwise part of that line, like you'll hear, um, uh, it's not super frequent, but you'll hear it once or twice a game. It's like ineligible man downfield, which is usually like an offensive lineman. Like the Bears had a big play callback uh, for for that because yes, a a lineman uh, got. I believe you can chase a wide receiver, tight end, running back like to block for them, but you have to be behind them. You can't get like ahead of them. I, I don't know exactly how yeah. that plays out, but it's, it's, it's related to this notion of where you are on the line and um, whether you are technically eligible or not. But, I, and I do think uh, the anime protagonist metaphor, I think extends to the quarterback is often, they are, they're the leader of the team. They are the most important leader of the team, whether or not they have leadership qualities to begin with. This is one of the funny things too, is like, quarterbacks great powers are assigned to them uh in the imagination of like what's their aura right what what how do they elevate the players around them and it's a it's a weird thing i think there i think there are some guys who are not built for that i think the bears had a quarterback uh jay cutler uh who they're like yeah he's the captain of the bears he's nobody's captain 
Like no. nobody, he doesn't inspire anything in, in people th- that way. What he does, he, he throws the ball and he takes violent hits and doesn't give a shit. That was his skill. Yeah. His skill didn't He was respected. To, I don't know that yeah. he was liked. And so, and that's just one of the, the weird things is like, it's a hard job that I think that is made harder by the fact that people are looking to see like, how do you inspire and like elevate the people around you? And some guys I think are just there to be like, I'm just here to throw the ball good and, uh, you know, get doves. And that's, and that's all I really want to do. And that's not really the job description. Like whether you want it or not, they're going to be like, you're a leader of this team. I agree. Uh, so yeah, in the future, if people want to write in like specifically, uh, to, uh, gamingadvice.com with sort of sports 101 question of the week, just sports 101. Uh, if you, it doesn't have to be about football, it could be about anything. And if we don't know it, we'll attempt to, we'll, we'll Google it for you and attempt to explain it. Um, uh, so yeah, there were, you had alluded to this before. I, I, I do want to touch on this. The, uh, the opposite of, you know, feeling like a window is opening for your team is, uh, a window closing for your team, having committed enormous resources to it. And it takes place in our division, the NFC North, the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers appears to, I, I don't think it's quite a Peyton Manning style, like the arm doesn't work anymore. I think there's a combination of factors at play. I, I think he has lost a step. He is also a complete weirdo. And it's like, like when you're talking about a leader, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is like a leader. He's, he's there to sling the ball. And also to yell at you. He's not there to be uh, a leader for the team. He expects you to follow him. And by being there, like, he's a leader in the fact that he's the quarterback. But he's not a leader in, like, uh, you know, he's going to be, you know, like Kirk Cousins, like, on the plane after a win, taking his shirt off and, like, dancing to some, like, rap music. He's just not that kind of guy. He expects you to sort of fall in line. And, I mean, I don't know if you saw those interceptions he threw against the Lions. But it was they were horrendous. Like they were, they were not players being in the wrong spot. They were Aaron Rodgers just, just being bad. Yeah. He's, um, there, there's a few things like he, in the last couple of years, he's effectively held that team hostage, uh, a mm-hmm. few times in negotiations to make clear. He's like, turned into Brett Favre, right? Yeah. Like, should I retire? Even, any, even the retirement stuff aside, he is just always in the public eye. And this spiked up during COVID, right? When he, like, and we've seen this with a lot of players, like the Kyrie Irving stuff. Like, there are players who were already sort of kind of public weirdos that Mm -hmm. got accelerated in terms of their public weirdness by, I don't know if you would call it like a kind of a COVID permission, but sort of like, it's okay. We're allowed to just publicly be however weird we want, and we're just going to. We're just going to roll with it. It's like once you've gone to the I'm okay being sick and not getting a shot and other people might die because of it, uh, that just opens the floodgates to some of these sports figures just, you know. It was funny when it was just flat earthers, but uh, uh, like because that was sort of silly. Uh, Now we've gotten to a real dark place with some of these players. Yeah, I think um, with with Favre, there's there's the weirdness. There is the fact that like, He's never been someone to take a lot of personal responsibility for anything, anything going wrong. His opinion, and, and for years, this is valid up to a point, is I'm the greatest quarterback in the NFL. If things are going wrong around me, it is because you did not put the right people and things around me. And there have been times that's been correct, but what happens when it is increasingly the fact that he is the issue? You know, uh, One of my favorite 
analysts uh, writes over, I think at uh, Acme Packing Company, uh, which was the which is the SB Nation like Packers vertical. Uh, Paul Noonan has done a lot of really good um, statistical breakdowns of like how Rogers' game has evolved. And sort of has a long running thesis that Rogers has at various points started to like mask things in his game or try to buff up particular types of stats that like get like prized highly uh, by observers of the game, but don't necessarily translate to effective play. And so for a number of years, there's been little, there's been a bit of evidence that like, despite the fact that a lot of the wins were still there and the stats were still there, like the greatness wasn't as elevated as it used to be. And now his, his, his most basic tool, his most basic asset, which is, uh, you know, an absolutely incredible arm, um, also appears to have like fallen off just a little bit, just that little, that little bit where he becomes a, he went from being a preternaturally great quarterback to like a very good one. Right. That team doesn't work and his game doesn't work being a very good quarterback. Um, and so it's been like overnight, uh, it looks like the organization is, is collapsing. And and, then also in part, you know, as part of the hostage taking that team sort of mortgaged its future on, on paying Brett, uh, Aaron Rodgers, And now he's looking around being like, well, where's all the good players? And it's like, well, people, a lot of people don't necessarily like you, it seems. And also we can't buy the mercenaries you need to to come in and because they've been good so long it's not like they've gotten amazing draft picks but um but they did trade away to you know adams they do have extra first rounders if there was a year to suck and reset where okay we're gonna eat a bunch of dead money not have good contracts like move on from that it would be the next two years while you're just sort of like i think matt matt lafleur is a is a is a is a good coach has yeah. a good scheme and is caught in a like a tough spot with with this team. Um, they've been extraordinarily good the past couple of years, and I don't think that is all just Aaron Rodgers being an excellent quarterback. I actually do think they have a good coach up there, and they, you know, Luke Getzey, the Bears' offensive coordinator, like you know, uh, you know, uh, it was clearly part of that. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett, you know, maybe he was a fine assistant, is a terrible head coach in Denver, but like they call it brain drain, where like good teams lose assistants, coordinators to other teams. Yeah. You try to replace that, but that is that can sometimes give you off years where while you try and shuffle that stuff around. And so, you know, will Matt LaFleur, if they lose another couple games, have have the courage to essentially bench Aaron Rodgers for Jordan Love to find out what do we have here? Like if they, if they're going to win four or five games, you'd want to take, there's the, the draft to take a quarterback is next one. Um, yeah. And they'd want to do that or else you can find yourself, you know, sort of like with the Colts, like they just fired, you know, Frank Reich because they built up a good team for several years and just cycled through quarterback after quarterback after quarterback, just thinking we'll, we'll build the ship and then just drop in a veteran anonymous quarterback and they'll take off. And that just, that clearly, you know, they ran out of runway on that one and the Packers don't want to find themselves in that situation either. But 
I mean, they should. I hope. I hope they suck shit for the next ten years. Yeah. Um. And Justin Fields uh, can uh, can start stacking the, the can turn this into a, <laughs> an, a you know an actual rivalry uh, again to some degree. I you know Rob I. And then we put that Packers game as a loss later this year, but I we might have to revisit that one. <laughs> Yeah, I think I, I think, I think you that do. I think they might stomp their heads in. <laughs> like, yeah, it's uh, yeah, because they 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 didn't look great against the Bears the first time they played. No. It's just the we Bears played really poorly, yeah. uh, and there was no there was no offense from Fields. Uh, that's no. not going to be the case uh, this no. time they see each other. So that's yeah, I, I think it's they're they're in an awkward spot. Uh, you know, it could be we. It has looked like Rodgers has like that the armor's cracked a few times before, uh, and then you know comes back with a vengeance. Uh, that that could still happen, but yes, it does look like there has been an an apocal shift in in Green Bay, where it's like the Rodgers era, like the golden age is over. Like yeah. this is like this is the twilight, uh, and and we don't know. Like maybe maybe there's still some happy ending in it. But what there is not is the idea that this thing will will finally become the dynasty. I think they always sort of felt it was supposed to be. Um, we were going to try to do a podcast last week. We didn't get a chance to. I, I think you watched a lot more of the World Series than I did. Well, hang I, on. I tried... Before we move on to baseball, yes, can we talk about please. the Colts? Can we talk sure. about the Colts? Hmm? Uh, oh, yeah. Well, you just want to talk about this Jim Rousseau press conference. <laughs> well, yeah, the – um. I, I think just one of the wildest things that is that is happening right now in the NFL is that we have an honest to God Ted Lasso situation uh, mm-hmm. that, that's happened. So the Indianapolis Colts have basically been at sea ever since their marquee quarterback, Andrew Luck, uh, looked deep within himself and said, <laughs> fuck this shit yeah. uh, and, and quit. Uh, he was like he was a often injured. Uh, he was a great quarterback. He gotten you know the hell knocked out of him for for years. They and never built of- around him properly. He was always putting uh, inferior teams on his back. He also was a quarterback that loved to get hit. Go, just do a go to YouTube and look up like Andrew uh, Andrew, Andrew Luck, Luck congratulating like, defenders. Defenders yeah. like they're 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 famously quotes from defenders who would like knock the shit out of him and he and he would be on the ground like good hit man like nice work and they would just like wouldn't know what to do to this like perennially nice guy complimenting them on knocking the shit out of him but he got knocked around too many times uh he started to develop uh you know chronic injuries and also like you know when he when he sort of surprised them on the eve of the season but basically being like i can't do this anymore it was clear that like the physical pain that because players and their families have to take all this home with them. You know, it's mm-hmm. like if you're if you're going through surgeries and, and PT and everything, your whole family is kind of dealing with 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 that injury. I think, uh, you know, Robin Krakowski, you know, probably the greatest tight end of all time uh, when he uh, retired the first time before he came back to play for the Bucs. Um, he gave an interview, I think, when he chose to come back to, to, Fallon. Fallon to talk. Um, right. we, I believe so, in which like you know, why did you retire in the first place? If you're just going to come back. And he's like, we wanted to give my body time to recover. I think it was after the last Super Bowl that he won uh, or the, the team that he was on when, when the Patriots won, he spent the evening crying in the bed because he was in such unbelievable pain that he could do nothing but just sort of like sob. And this is, you know, the, yeah. like the, the broiest of bro guys, you know, the biggest of big guys, someone who looks like they're from a Marvel film, uh, yeah. 
just like Couldn't sobbing in their bed in chronic pain. So Andrew Luck uh, had the moment where he's like, there's nothing like th- this isn't fun for me. Anymore. I'm not going to do this. Right. Um, yeah. And people also pointed out like he's actually apparently like legitimately like has a pretty prestigious engineering degree. Uh, like is a is a like a very, very smart guy who like has a view that like football is not everything. Uh, and there's things he wants to do with his body and his mind uh, than, like absorb monster hits and concussions. So he he bounced. And the team has never really figured out what we're going to do with the quarterback position since then. And this has culminated in a season that's that's been a, a bit of a comedy of errors. And I think the thing you need to understand about the Colts is that you'll hear things where it's like the Colts are one of the model franchises of the NFL. Oh, the NFL loves how the Colts are run. It's a great organization. The Colts have one little quirk. Uh, they effectively have a bit of a fail son at char- in charge of the organization, but he's a fail son who's like 70 years old. <laughs> It's well, like, but, so Jim Irsay, who is, uh, you know, the, the current Colts owner, um, famously, when he inherited the team from his father, said he wanted to avoid what his father did, yeah. which was to be in a, a like interventionist, loudmouth uh, uh, owner that constantly overrode the decisions or the decision making of the coaches and general managers. I think there's a famous instance in which uh I don't know which what Ursay. I don't I don't know what his father's name was, but the eldest Ursay uh didn't like the quarterback play, went down at halftime, told them to switch quarterbacks, and then was asked at the end of the game about it and couldn't remember the quarterback's name because they were plastered. Um and so for a long time during the, the Manning luck era, like Ursay sort of stayed out of it. I mean he had his troubles, right? Like he's had his private troubles with substance abuse yeah. and, and things like that. But Still was sort of a like outspoken owner, yeah. but one who was like like willing to talk with the public and engage was like kind of was like and I sort of an, in many ways an ideal owner like they're excited about the team yep. want them to succeed go do it I'm gonna stay back here and let the experts do it and barely at, harmless but yes. also a bit of a clown like has yes. an undeniable like clownishness to him so even setting aside the fact like he had some yes had some struggles. Uh, with like substance abuse, uh, and in some cases not struggles, just enthusiastic participation. <laughs> yeah. uh, but the uh, the the thing the the thing about him is that he like he is a bit of just an old aging bro. But in the last year, he started really meddling with the team. He insisted that they install a quarterback that he wanted. Uh, you know, at the at the quarterback position, uh, and then he he fired this weekend. Uh, a very well-respected coach they've had, uh, Frank Reich. And that was not the weird part. The weird part is that usually when you have this sort of like, hey, the locker room is not responding, this is a lost season, it's just time to time to move on, usually you appoint someone from the staff or something to sort of step up and let's see what we've got. This is how a lot of organizations have done it. Frank Reich went to... An old, really well-regarded Colts. Do we call him a star? I think I think regionally he's a star. Yeah. Like a very popular Colt who's part of the Super Bowl winning team. A guy named Jeff Saturday. Crucially, as as well-regarded as he is, as, as he was as a player, was like one of those guys where it's like this is every this guy's everything our franchise stands for. But he's not a coach. He never yeah. really did pursue the NFL well, coaching. He's, he is a winning record focus. in high school. 
Rob. That, so <laughs> he is a he is a high school football coach with a record of twenty and sixteen, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he was and 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 Frank and Frank Reich was shown the door, and instead of promoting anybody as part of his staff, anybody that's in the organization, Ursay went to Jeff Saturday and was like, I want you to be my head coach. And now the funny thing is Jeff Saturday seems to know that this is every bit as weird as it is. Cause he apparently said, he was like, why, why do you, why am I a candidate you would consider uh, in any role to do this? He said like to say I was shocked would be to be an understatement. Uh, but they give this press conference that I read multiple write-ups of it's still worth watching the first 15 minutes of it because Ursay is just look. I'll full. read you a couple quotes. Yeah, look, we're the fourth winningest franchise in the league since 2000. That means in the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. Jim Ursay and Jeff Saturday. I'm glad he doesn't have NFL experience. There's a quote where he's like. Football is very simple. Being a coach is not. This is not rocket. We don't build rockets to go to Mars. It's a very simple job we do here. This is one of the most complicated jobs. Like being an NFL coach is one of the most all-consuming, intellectually like nightmares. It attracts problems. complete like weirdos. Very weird. That somehow manage to have families despite alienating them the vast majority of the year. Um, Jim Ursay asked about the Rooney Rule, which is a mostly farcical attempt by the NFL to have NFL teams when there was a uh, opening for a head coaching position to they required to interview X number of minority candidates to make sure they are at least in the conversation. Largely NFL teams ignore this and they do interviews and then hire who they want with the Brian Flores lawsuit. Yep. With interim coaches. uh, I actually don't think you need to, to do that. There's nothing to satisfy. It is when, you know, it's in the off season. It would, you know, anyway, that'll get worked out. But so he was asked about that. There's no problem perception unless you guys make a problem of perception. You got to do it. I understand. I was a broadcast journalism major too. I don't know. Are you guys ever held accountable? Do your editors ever bring you in and say, you wrote that stuff. It was all wrong. You're fired. We get held accountable. That's for sure. <laughs> it's, incredible stuff but the the thing that is irresistible about this is like yes one this is not a way to run an nfl franchise this Mm. is wildly irresponsible uh you know bizarre behavior it was a bizarre press conference uh ursay was like fully in a i'm just meddling here i like this guy's vibe so i've put him in charge of the team but here's the very funny thing the the part that it's kind of irresistible to to me here by all accounts jeff saturday is Genuinely a beloved figure around the Colts. Very could good this dude. be terrible for him? I mean, it could be, but like this is why I said it's the, it's a Ted Lasso situation. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who never wanted the job, never pursued any interest in being like, I want to be involved with NFL teams again in this capacity at all. He was summoned from this because Ursay was looking around and like. <laughs> there's such a there's such an old man looking for comfort aspect to this that is palpable in the presser. He just wanted to go to a guy he really like respected and made him feel good about the direction of the franchise and like stood for things. And so he summons him to take over this team, not because the guy knows what he's doing, but just because Ursa is like, 
the Jeff Saturdayness of this dude is going to rub off on this team, and it's going to fix the fact that he has not liked what he's seen out on the out on that field for a number of years. That like whatever else is going to happen, it will be a team that he's proud of and some reflects whatever he whatever he thinks of as like being the spirit of the Colts. And there's almost no chance this is going to work. It's like <laughs> again, this is like if you like made me like a, a football GM, right? Uh-huh. Like there's just like very little, actually that's not true. Cause I never played the game at that level. He was a pro player. He was part of very successful teams. So it's not like, it's not that like out of pocket, but it is still like, he never did any of the professional de- development to set up for this kind of role. And we just do not see anything like this happen. Like it's not, it doesn't happen. Like people wait years uh, to try and get one of these coaching gigs mm-hmm. And this is the, like, this is the movie version of, like, we just took a regular guy who the the selling point on him is that he's a very good man and a very good teammate and, like, just has a good, like, spirit. How far can that carry a team? My suspicion is to the basement. <laughs> it can carry that team to hell. But what if it doesn't? <laughs> what, if he, what if he's the model that, like, the, the NFL coach who's like, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm, like... I'm just going to empower everyone around me who knows what they're doing. And I'm just here to like negotiate the differences of the team. Now there have been coaches that are almost that model. They get picked apart because as you say, the talent drain gets really strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's sort of like manager version of the head coach tends to struggle as the people that distinguish themselves in those coordinator roles get taken away. But uh, yeah, I'm very, I'm, I can't look away. You know, the, the way they put it is, you know, Ursay was like, he's got eight games to prove it. Hopefully more. Ursay wants this to be a success. He's all in. Mm-hmm. He's ready to give this man an extension right now. Let him, let him, let's see, let's see where this goes. Oh, it, it, well, it makes the Colts must see TV. Hard right? knocks. Like, you've got to go back. Oh my God. I think they would have no choice but to go. Cause they did, they did. So they did last year, the mid season right, uh, hard right. knocks was about uh, the Colts. And I'm like, you just gotta. We we need to get up to speed on this Jeff Saturday situation. It's true. Well, we'll be monitoring it closely. I think we we might have, you know just like we're introducing sports 101 question of the week. We might have to have a Jeff Saturday check in um, once a week uh, going forward. Um, did you have anything you want to mention about the World Series before we move on to some questions? So any like high level observations you thought other than like enjoying watching Kyle Schwarber? The dingers because our big boy whacks the ball real far and it makes us he happy. Does. I mean, look, it was it was a really fun baseball playoffs. Uh, is is what I would say. I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed the series a lot uh, up until probably game four is when the Astros really took control of that because the Phillies were this overperforming team. It's like you guys have no business being here. It was just you were on a fluky run at the right time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were hitting all those dingers mm-hmm. and, and then the, the dingers stopped because <laughs> they ran up to a team that was just much more talented, uh, yep. especially in the bullpen. And that was the thing is like the, the Phillies did not have the pitching staff to keep points off the board. And uh, in game four, you could see that the, the Astros hundred percent did. And it, it got real grim because every time, you know, the, the Phillies had to go to their bullpen 
there's only one guy they really had to bring in. That was uh, a dude named Alvarado, who's like not a bad, not a bad pitcher, but he was the only number they could call uh, in what are called like high leverage situations. They got eaten alive every time. So it was, you know, it went from being a, um, a, a like a Hollywood script of a World Series to being. A bit more of what you expect from baseball, right? In, in baseball terms, I guess you would say it was a regression to the mean of what are the projected outcomes uh, for teams like this. And that is what happened over the course of that season. You had a really fluky game three where the Astros pitcher melted down mm-hmm. and was just giving up home run after home run. Uh, and it like in that moment, it seemed like, boy, they might have broken their backs. Yeah, anything's uh, possible. Yeah. And then, they and, just, then, and they just went back to being... To just grinding it out. Yeah, the Astros just went back to be like, oh wait, we've got we've got a core of elite pitchers uh that that you can't touch. Uh and and the Phillies really did not. So it was but it was great. I loved I loved watching it. I know you watched a bit of it. Uh, I think you know one thing that I really enjoyed about it is the entire thing was broadcast in 4K. Dude. Uh yeah. I I, I messaged you at one point because I, I had seen kind of games in the background uh one of the games was on Halloween so it was just uh and another game was on like a Halloween party night and so it was on but I never really looked at it and then at home one night I had it on while the kids were doing some coloring and I was like holy shit and I did it was less that I noticed that the game was in 4K as much as like the UI elements were in 4K that's what I was like wow that shit is sharp <laughs> and I was sharper like, oh. than it, than it can actually sustain you yes. see actually the little um the jaggies on the graphics they yes, use it rules. but like everything is so readable uh on the on on the 4K uh broadcast like jerseys are visible from like across I, the field yeah, I don't know what it's going to take to the NFL to get to there I I think frankly part of it's going to be they they don't give anything away for free and that no. you want to watch 4K football you're going to pay gruesome, uh, but I mean, like seeing that, I'm like I would pay quite a bit. So would I for, <laughs> like, I mean, that's the kind of thing where I would pay for a I, Sunday ticket. If that unlocked dude, 4k football, that's just that like NBA could take me to take me out for, t- take me I out know. to lunch for this. Uh, you know, it like F1 TV could get me like all of them. It's because yeah. it, like sports are amazing to watch. One of the, one of the great things that you get, uh, from, from, a good broadcast and a good production is a feeling of presence, right? Like, damn, it's, you know, it's the next best thing to being there. And 4K, you get that, right? Like, there's well, moments It, it also you... runs at real speed, right? You know, yeah. so there's something about, you know, you know, 4K in a film, it's still running at, you know, broadly 24 frames a second. There is a surreality to it, no matter what the, the resolution is. There's that kind of reality show aspect you get out of sports, it benefits over and over from a higher resolution. Um, and I'd be curious if anyone somehow listens to this and like has any insight into, is it just like such a, like a, like there must be just logistical things in the road that like are. My assumption is one current. of the big ones is. Cause college football did it. College football is in 4k. All of it. I, I, well, obviously way not more than other it, sports. Like, because the thing that the thing that strikes me that would be a huge obstacle is that broadcast bandwidth is going to be the issue, right? right? It's not like Netflix has like you know you're making a call on a server. It's also on demand, as opposed right. to just it is just being fed out. 
in a, in a way. And, and notoriously, like satellite dishes do not have the most bandwidth to begin with. Like they're they're like they are used for for high bandwidth, like data transfers. But like broadcasting is a different thing. So I, I imagine that there is a lot of uh, infrastructural issues that come with rolling that out. And I'm here to say, like, I will help defray those costs. <laughs> like, this, this is how I end up signed up for every single sports league app. It's just like the minute they're like, and hey, we got 4K HDR every mm-hmm, game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'll be like, uh, so, like, what? You want a grand for that? I'm in. <laughs> Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Uh, on a question, if, uh, if you have any questions for us, you can write in uh, over uh, at gamingadvice.com uh, uh, with the subject sports. Um, also, we I usually put out a call on Twitter with the Google Doc where you can write in with your, your questions. Um, Rob, how do you get Patrick to watch F1? We must spread the doctrine of Ferrari pain on another soul, bring him into the fold. Praise be to Marinello. Am I saying mm-hmm. this correctly? If he already does watch, then make sure he gets into IndyCar. Um, so we had talked about getting into rugby previously. I did my homework. I know you did your homework. And but I also didn't have a kid. Uh, yeah, and then I ran out of time. But I think, so the way after, we can still do the rugby. We promised people rugby. I will. I, I can, I can watch some rugby. I'm going to tell you rugby ain't it. Huh? I'm going to tell you rugby ain't it. <laughs> like, I, like, it's cool. It's cool. But like... Am I rugby built? No. So, no. so what I'm thinking is, I guess part of like, as I was trying to think, like, well, how does this even fit into the structure? We already go along with everything else. Like I, my thought, my running theory is that when the NFL season is over and the question could be in front of us, was well, that gets just sort of the end of the road on the sports podcast? Uh, Cause that takes like our sort of like biweekly discussion point that we feel very passionately about out of, out of contention. And my thought is like, well, maybe not. Um, um, and that maybe what the sports podcast becomes is we like pick a rugby or something and get into it for two weeks. And then like t- that, then we talk about it, like maybe why we didn't like rugby. So yeah, hold on though. Aren't you and I both into a ton of sports? Like football season ends and it's like, all right, it's basketball time. It is. I just, we're through I just the part of the we... season that nobody gives a shit about. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so we'll have to, we'll see where we're at, but I think that may be something where like, maybe we don't want to talk to the NBA every two weeks, but like we're checking in monthly as we're heading into the playoffs in the spring and stuff like that. But I think, I think that may be where I'm fully open to watching. I mean, you can go back and listen. We did talk about F1 to a certain degree when we watched uh, some episodes of a documentary on waypoints yeah. years uh, back, if you want a taste of that. But um I will leave it to Rob to maybe, you know, sometime in the spring, find find something on the calendar so that we can. And also, Rob, the next time that, like, a company writes us, as they did earlier this year, and says, would you like to get flown out to go to a thing? You and I are both going to say yes, because now we have. I feel so podcast. weird about it, but Patrick, here's the problem, Patrick. Mm. There's a very good chance that people were, are going to ask us to come out. Would you like to be flown out to the Las Vegas Grand Prix? Yeah. And we should say yes. When is that? 
Uh, that's like next November. Okay. Uh, the waypoint's still here. Here is <laughs> we'll the thing. On. Yeah, I mean, uh-huh. yeah, like, who knows? TBD. <laughs> uh, but the the thing is, like, so Danny, they made you make a donation to a charity just to, like, buy a $5. You paid $5 or whatever just to get a spot in the, like, pre-order line for the tickets. Okay. Uh, the, the things where it's, like, you're guaranteed a seat is, like, uh and we also collectively decided it was two years for our blood because you have 2500 just for the seat and then it's like the flights the Mm -hmm. hotel like Mm -hmm. you're talking like in an eye blank you're talking about a ten thousand dollar weekend eye blank of the chance uh, to also go to see the raiders stadium this is the thing dude like (laughs) having said all that i'm like if someone's like hey maybe you guys would be interested in doing a story on and whether it's a good pitch or not, we're going to be like, fuck yes. <laughs> Absolutely. We're in. So. Oh, Williams Esports team. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm so Rob will do the research. About- and I, I look, I bullshitted through harder things before, Rob. I can, I can do it. I can, I, I can, I can be there with you. Um, Rich in Belfast writes, hey, gang, longtime waypoint listener, Twitch viewer with no engagement whatsoever. Until now, as you have tapped into a prescient topic for me in the subject of parenting and sports, I had put out a call for... Some folks, if they had any topics to share about uh, parenting uh, and sports, their, their their experience with parents around sports. Uh, my son and I have taken up running in the last couple of years. Here in the UK, Belfast, Northern Ireland to be specific, I've been taking him to ru- uh, park runs for a couple of years now, doing two-kilometer two runs on a Sunday morning. He recently started doing five-kilometer runs with me. On Saturday past, on a balmy 14 Celsius morning, we ran a 5K on the beach of Portrush on the east coast of Ireland. I was in trainers, my son barefoot, Shout out. I don't know how I, I'm, I run and I don't know how you do the barefoot stuff. At points on the run, my son sprinted ahead of me and turned and ran backwards as youth breeds confidence. Age brings wisdom, though, and I caught him on the final stretch, ultimately finishing, finishing within a second of each other. It was a wonderful shared experience that had a slightly bitter sting. My son is challenging me athletically. My son is eight years old. This has come earlier than I could have anticipated. Is sporting mortality one of the more bittersweet feelings? And is Patrick mentally prepared for his girls to sprint him backwards on some sunny Saturday morning down the line? Fuck capitalism and running backwards on a beach and trainers <laughs> rich in Belfast. Uh, yeah, I don't, yeah, I am, look, I'm prepared for, my children already uh, beat the shit out of me on a regular basis and don't understand th- that their dad's body creaks in weird ways. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm fully prepared for this. I also don't have, uh, I guess I do run, so I guess it would be weird if my child could outrun me, but. I yeah, but you don't sprint. Like no, I don't. I mean, yeah, I, you, I, I run like a pretty solid. You run medicinally, is how you've described it. I do. I run three miles twice a week. At uh, I don't keep. I don't. Well, I guess I could see what what is um. You got a watch that tells you. This I shit? do. So I, I'd have to look up what my pace is. Let's see. Uh, this is no. This was today. Okay, outdoor run. Well, I was extremely hungover when i did that that one doesn't count Um, today no this is like no (laughs) No. danny's day off got a free party danny's day off you didn't you didn't didn't see what happened on the cyberpunk stream rob um no i was at a wedding and i couldn't find any advil so i ran around an outdoor mall for 40 minutes um let's see uh okay this was uh early this is last week uh 26 minutes. You have to take a couple minutes off because I always forget to turn the turn the yeah. watch off. But uh, average pace, I mean, eight minutes, 31 seconds, 
3.16 miles. Um, so, you know, like fast, but not overly fast, like pretty, pretty casual. But I, yeah, it's, that's not me. I'm not really sprinting, but I don't know. I was trying to think, I don't have a, I didn't play a lot of sports with my like dad growing up. I like, he was there like as a coach sometimes. And he was always on the sidelines when I was like playing basketball or baseball, but I can't, I don't have any specific memories of, it did. I remember when my dad was like, I can't play football with you anymore. Like, cause I grew fast. Like I, like I never had a growth spurt. I just had a pretty advanced growth curve from like when I was like uh-huh. eight up to the age of like 20. And so like eight or nine or 10, it was just like, yeah, we can't rough house like that. Like it's like, uh, you know, that just wasn't dad was like, Yeah, I'm sorry, we're not like even in the snow where where the falls are being padded, like we can't be playing football uh like this like this anymore. Um, you know, there's there there there's bits of that, but you know, I, I think that's I'm envious of that, right? Like it's like it is a bittersweet feeling, but also I don't know, but think about this a little bit like I'm just at that age where a number of my friends and I when we when we chat we do the middle-aged man thing of like taking little inventories, just the weird shit that's going on with us mm-hmm. and like, you know, little mm-hmm. things we can't do anymore. The, But there's, here's the weird thing. Isn't there satisfaction with it? Isn't there a bit of like, look at us. Like, Oh no, I can't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. But, but also there's, there's a little bit of like, look at us being comfortable with it. Right. right. It's these things that like at age 25 you know you're thinking about like i'll be scared of the day when i realize i can't do this anymore little aches and pains that are going to come and you know you you hit those moments and i think they also provide moments where you realize like i don't care that much anymore i would have you know like when i was 25 i would have cared or it's or it's like about this if you like if i wanted to turn around and run a marathon next year i could right like but yeah same i I don't But I don't want to, right? Like, I don't want to. And there's something about, like, when age boxes you in in terms of ability and potential. You can push outside of those boxes, but there is both humility and acceptance in sort of, I know what I am. I know what I want. Like, you know, in terms of, like, health and different things like that. Okay, I can push in certain directions when it's required so that I stay on this mortal coil as everything collapses. Uh, But I'm with you. Like, there is something... I don't know. There is something kind of beautiful. And I think that's in here in Rich's you know, oh, yeah. question of just like, it's a little bittersweet, but also good for you. Like now you get to experience the crushing existential crisis of I could do anything oh. and and I, and I won't do any of it. No. And by the way, having my son overtake me on, on the strand in, <laughs> on a beach in Belfast, like while chariots of fire is playing, like <laughs> sign me the fuck up. Like, hell yes. You know, you're going to meet Rob. Rob's going to be out there, you know, a couple of years from now. Like, yeah. who's this man running around carrying this toddler running yeah. down the beach? Hey, you did it, son. Like, <laughs> guard I trying to flag me down. <laughs> Bring that child back. <laughs> yeah, you gave us too much information, uh, Rich, on, on your location. Um, would you rather go into a season knowing your team is bad Bears, which, you know, I, I, I might dispute that uh, framing of that question now. I'm oh, sorry, um, Rich is in Belfast, wouldn't be Gardai. Sorry. <laughs> Apologies, Rich. Uh, 
Would you rather we're going to see knowing your team is bad, like the Bears, or we, you know, we went into the, the season believing that, um, even if they end up having a fun offense, or falsely believe they're good and be consistently disappointed? Chargers, uh, in my case, gotta go. To no, they're bad. We just did the false believing, falsely yeah, believing they're sucks. good thing. Twenty nineteen is one of the worst years of football of my life. Yeah, I remember Patrick, you and I, we were like. Oh man, here we go. This is that Super Bowl, baby. It was the that first game of the Packers where we're like, hey, does does Mitch look worse than last year? And I think you were like, everything looks worse than last year. And like we knew. We knew, but then you can know, you can immediately read, like, oh, this is not this is not good. Bad but vibes. then in between the games, you think, hold on. This is a good team. The bones are strong. I'm looking at those highlight reels from the year before. Oh, Khalil Mack, Eddie Jackson, Akeem Hicks, Kyle Fuller. Like, and no point was I saying Mitch Trubisky, but whatever. We can scheme around him. We did it last year. We could do it again. I like. I watched every minute of We've the added Robert getting Quinn. creamed by uh, Vegas in London. Mm-hmm. And that was the moment I realized, like, this team's just done. The Khalil this- Mack revenge game. <laughs> disappeared. <laughs> he folded up like a tent. And he might have even gotten hurt. I don't even know. But, like, it was just, it was a nightmare. And, uh, but I we, I watched so much of that season thinking, like, they're going to bring it around. And the next year, what? They started, like, five like like five and one or something like by that. A, but by it was fluky. Like- they're, they're, they're doing a, a they did a, a, a worst version of what the Vikings are doing right now. I don't think the Vikings are actively a bad team, but they are not seven and one. And no, but the Vikings, but yes, the, the Vikings are like a seven and one team that should be finishing like comfortably North of 500, but not like as an elite team. No, nine, the Bears like were, nine, 10 games at most. And they're going to win like 12 and, and get like bounced out of the first round. But the bears, yeah, they, they had a great start to the season. And the minute people started to be like, Hey, maybe something is going on in Chicago. They, they put pay to that question. Well, no. and the, the thing I'll say about the 2019 season of the Bears, where we came off that you know devastating playoff loss, was they're at that point believing the team might be better or at least reasonably as good was not delusional on the part of management or fans. That was just yeah. of course that was in line with expectations. What became what becomes crushing over time is when fans realize this isn't working and management coaches start playing for their jobs and making decisions for their jobs that are not in the long-term interest of the team and not having owners step in to prevent them from making. They start doing things like, you know what? Can't get divorced if we just had a kid. (laughs) Yes. Like they start making decisions that way. Yes. And that is is how the bears felt. That is such a good analogy. (laughs) Did it work for them? No. (laughs) But it might work for, for us. us. Yeah. Now I do think uh, I'm. I'm curious. You know, you can let us know about the discourse in the case of San Diego. I don't know that. Uh, I don't know that people have turned on Justin Herbert so much. They've turned as, on Staley, though. I think yeah. Staley's like all of last year's gives incredible like press conference explanations, anecdotes, loves analytics, goes for it on fourth down. I think I think the clock might be. I don't know that he's gone next year, but I, the the, t- the team is wildly underperforming for the quality of quarterback play, and also, frankly, the resources they've spent on things like the defense, like giving us a second round yeah. pick for uh, <laughs> Khalil Mack last year. So I I I think 
I'd rather know they're bad, but more crucially, I want to know that the team knows that they're bad. And those are hard things. Like teams are culture. They are not just analytics and like long-term management of contracts. Like it is, it is more than that, but it's part of why I'm so, I don't know where the bears are in two, two years. Right. But no idea. But like the fact that the moves they made up into the trade deadline suggested a front office that understands what the team is, uh, at least makes me excited to see what they might do in the future. They seem to understand what the team actually is, which is bad. And that hopefully they can outperform because Justin Fields can, can take them there. And then you build around it. Uh, has something ever outside of sports, TV, video games, movies, etc., ever gotten you curious or even turned you into an all out fan of a sport? When Ted Lasso and welcome to Wrexham, which I got it. I think we have got to watch that. it, dude. Uh, did you watch the whole thing? Yeah, it, it, dude. I couldn't stop because MK watched one episode over my shoulder uh-huh. and was like, can we just watch this the rest of the weekend? And the answer was yes. Uh, it's extraordinary. Uh, I find myself more and more curious about soccer and wanted to dive into it following it. So d- did Welcome to Wrexham get you into soccer? Or you just enjoyed Welcome to Wrexham? So, well, okay, here's the problem. Uh, you can't watch Wrexham games on TV. Okay. Uh, you, like... <laughs> They are so far below the level that's going to be broadcast on, uh, like, American stations. Like, Wrexham, you can look up how they're doing. Uh, but, yeah, there's just – there's no way to watch that level of the sport. And here's the thing. I think one of the things that's really endearing about Welcome to Wrexham, and I think there's a lot of uh, – you know, another, another movie that, like, nobody remembers, but I remember it. It's a movie called uh, Shot at Glory mm-hmm. uh, where Robert Duvall plays a – coach of I think a Glasgow uh football team. Basically it's about the the uh Celtic uh the 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 Celtic uh was the is the Rangers and the Celtics uh something like that. But it's about it's about like a, a famous rivalry in Scottish football uh that also cuts across like Catholic and Protestant lines. But Michael Keaton is in this movie for some reason as a new American owner of the team who's taking it over. Uh but like I'm I'm a sucker for these stories about like the connections between teams and their sort of down at heel communities and like how these two things i mean if there's a theme to this podcast right it's it's this like the town the heart of the town is reflected in the team and vice versa um i'm a, I'm a sucker for stuff like that i'm not sure i get that as much from premier league which is the easiest stuff to find right mm-hmm. like welcome to Wrexham is all like here's a small industrial welsh town uh that has sort of been left behind both by competitive soccer and by the modern economy. Uh, and here's an attempt to sort of at least fix the team and see if that can fix other stuff. I'm a sucker for that shit. Those don't get broadcast. What gets broadcast are premier league teams that are like, here's a bunch of teams that are owned by like investment groups led by like the Saudi sovereign wealth fund. Uh, it's like great inspiring stuff. Uh, well, it's been a little while since we've checked in on our uh, our, our NFL picks. Um, I, I have done. I was I was I was grinding the tape, grinding the math uh, while you were were answering a question, so I could get us up to date. Um, we've been uh, we have a, a pick'em league happening over at uh, GridironGames.com. Uh, uh, I, I, sh- I have forgotten in the past to shout out 
where are we at in the can I pull up the overall rankings? Who how would I do that? Let's see, year 2022 stats. That gonna let me do this. Um did you mark down the corrected stats you did live during the save point show? Because remember uh, there's that week your picks got fucked up and then I tanked. No, we just I okay. I just I just went back to gridiron and just like took them as they were as they right. were there. Oh shoot. I wanted to shout out um Oh, correct picks. Okay, let's see. I can I can rank it. Okay, so right now, uh, this is the I'll do the top ten. Uh, in first place so far. Uh, what is this? Nine weeks. Yes, uh, nine weeks into the season. Uh, first place is paper bags, uh, with sixty-eight uh, correct picks out of one hundred and four. Um, Weedle with sixty-five picks out of one hundred and four. S. Uh, as the uh, as Zilliard with sixty five out of one hundred and four, Using with sixty four out of one hundred and four, Fog Cutter with sixty four out of one hundred and four, uh, Lord Joseph with a sixty three out of one hundred and four, this um, Patrick Klupik with sixty two out of one hundred and four, Burns ninety eight with one hundred and four. How many is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and then Burger Bob with sixty one. Rob, do you want me to keep scrolling? Okay, I can keep going. You're not that far. 58. Not that bad. Not that bad. Um, um, so we're we're not, uh, you know, we're not that all far apart uh, so far. Um, but uh, that is currently the standings. Uh, we'll keep track of those as we as we go forward. Um, week 10 in the NFL starts with Falcons, 4 and 5. And Panthers, 2 and 7. The Panthers are, we've not gotten really... T- we haven't spent a lot of time talking about them and their own personal train wreck. They were down like 30 points to the Bengals at halftime. They put, uh, what's his face? Uh, uh, why am I blanking on his name? The, the, the old, uh, Browns quarterback, uh, that they brought in. Mahomes. No, no Mahomes. sorry. No, Mahomes. uh, Mayfield, Mayfield. <laughs> Mayfield. Yeah. Um, and he actually played pretty decent, uh, kind of brought them, uh, at least the score, the score. I just want to fucking insurance commercials back. <laughs> NFL games are so much harder to watch. Dude, he's going to be out. He's going to be out of the league or a backup at best uh, by by the, by the end of the season. Um, but I, yeah, he's actually kind of funny. Uh, Falcons are just an interesting team. Uh, you know, they're a weird team. They're they're scrappy. They lose in bad ways, but they're in everything. Um, and their offense is legitimately fun to watch. I don't watch full games, but like, there's always a handful of highlight clips, and I'm like, okay, like. Marcus Mariota is not a quarterback at one on my team, but somehow they make it they make it work. And so I just don't think you can reasonably pick the Panthers to do anything other than lose uh, at this no. point. And I'm not I'm not going to tempt fate <laughs> against that, even as you try to look for edges where you can hope for a coin flip on a game. Uh, Seahawks six and three. The Geno Sans continues a team that was left for dead in the offseason thought that they were going to be a, a bottom feeder now might be one of the top teams in the league um, against the Bucks, uh four and five against uh, the Bucks. Similarly, kind of listless, not quite Rogers level incompetence, but the team is just sort of, eh, um, I'm Gino all the way. I love this story. I love the fact that the, the Seahawks and I don't, I don't even particularly care about Pete Carroll, but it's just, it's a fun story. And I like this for Gino Smith. So I'm I'm all in on the Seahawks uh, every week. 
do I have this right? This game is being played in Munich. Uh, yes, you do have the right. I think it's the first game that's being played in Germany. So let me tell you just okay. one little thing here. Yep. You might think that three hours difference between East and West Coast is not the biggest deal in the world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Having done it, the level of jet lag I had going from L.A. to Germany was one of the worst fucking things I've done in my life. <laughs> it's just awful. And, like, going from Boston to, like, Germany or Sweden, not that hard. Not nearly that hard. But, like, the minute, like, you would involve the cross-country flight in addition to, like, the transatlantic flight, it was a nightmare. And I do feel like neither of these teams is that explosive. And I'm actually kind of inclined to give it to the team that's not going to have to travel to the ends of the earth to play this fucking game. Um, that like I am, I think I'm Tampa Bay. Uh, just on just okay. on virtue of, I think, I think it'll be very hard for Seattle to prepare for like how tough that that travel schedule is going to be. Okay, all right, uh, fair enough. Uh, Vikings seven and one at Bills six and two. Uh, Josh Allen has. Uh, I don't know what the latest update on his. There's no uh, update yet, but he has bad. some sort of elbow injury. Maybe but not. I, I saw people comparing it to when you hear this phrase in baseball, your heart sinks. Tommy John's. No. Um, which I can't tell you the specifics of that, other than like I said, people's heart sinks because it basically means you're out for a very long for two years, and there's no um, guarantee you'll be back. Like and, it's, and it's, he's being evaluated for what is called a UCL injury. That's just not usually what you. He, that's what a, is that? A, ulterior a, cruciate ligament? I think so. Um, and so you know, again, that is just people, sport. You know, sports folks who just like when they hear that in baseball, that is always something that uh, strikes uh, fear into your hearts. Maybe it won't be as as bad here. They have not said exactly um, what's going to happen, but my guess is that they are probably not going to play him this week. Like if he is in any sort of discomfort, there's just no reason to risk it. Um, The Vikings are not a full mirage, but they are an eminently beatable team. And the funny part is there's some fun revenge games set up here with Case Keenum being the backup for the Bills responsible for, if you've never seen the Minnesota Miracle, the play from, I don't know, four or five years back against the Saints where just a cornerback completely whiffs on a on a play that like should have been caught. And uh, was it Diggs that took it back? Was he still on the team? Oh, I can't I remember who, who caught that. I cannot remember. I, do, I don't remember a lot of things about the Vikings. Like, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But it's- I'm always like, even with every good year, I'm like, yeah, we know the music's going to stop soon. Like, I yeah. feel about the Vikings the way the rest of the league feels about the Bears. You know, it's like, <laughs> I don't think I, I can't. I can't even be angry at them. Right? Like, I, I don't. I have steep animosity towards uh, towards the Packers. Do you I, remember how bad they were, though, with like Danny Green yeah. and Randy Moss was there and like uh, what Chris Carter? Mm-hmm. Um like that team was murder. Hated that team because they and I hated them because they gave the Bears the amount of disrespect that the Bears richly deserved. <laughs> uh here we go, baby. Lions two at six with one of the. I think they are. Oh, yeah, I, I want to be clear. Yes, if Allen isn't playing, I'm picking Minnesota. Okay, I think uh, so too. I like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I think I would pick the Bills if. 
Allen is playing, but it also, I don't know. That would depend on what is that injury, how limited is he going to be. They can't run the ball, so if he can't throw the ball, right, that definitely worries me. If he's um, out, this whole season just changed. Like, so I think we can't really pick this. Like I think we, there's too much to hedge, and yeah. we'll have to, to pick it when it's when we know more at the injury. Uh, Lions 2-6, and six, a team that is on pace to have a Bear down, <laughs> Chicago Bears! <laughs> They're on pace to have a historically bad defense, one in which Aaron Rodgers scored nine points against uh, the previous week. The Bears, three and six, but feel like they're six and three in my heart. Um, and Rob, I think uh, I don't. I feel like I can't. I can't. I shouldn't. Be, I don't want to even vocalize, but like I think they could score forty points in this game. I think they could go thermonuclear. I, I like this could be a real coming out like like just built like if they what they showed against good defenses he should tear them apart um yeah no watch they're gonna score 10 points <laughs> but I gotta I, I it, for the first time in a long time I feel fairly confident in yeah. saying they're going to take they're gonna tear this team apart and not in the usual way which is the defense just picking off Matthew Stafford in inconvenient times during the game. I think Justin Fields is going to run all over them. The Cowboy, look, the Cowboys did not solve Justin Fields. Nope. I don't think the, and they had, like, because solving Justin Fields requires, you need incredible athletes on your defense. And they have Micah Parsons. And yeah. And Micah Parsons couldn't figure it out. Right. Like, you know, they got there just enough, and the offense did a ton of work. But, yeah, it just, they, they didn't they didn't solve the problem. The Lions, sure as hell, are not going to solve it. But I do want to put a pin in this, by the way. Uh, you know, the thing that is nerve like nerve wracking about watching Fields is like you look at what happens to do like Justin, uh, like like uh, Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. Whole season is recast because of like I don't know. He just took a bad lick, uh, and now who knows? Like not just the season, but who knows? Like what the future holds, and that's kind of what, like the nerve wracking things about a Justin Fields is all that athleticism can go away so fast. It can, but at least three games in a row is not a fluke, right? And so I am now at this point in the season. I hope he can just keep stacking. But like he's clearly also an athlete that requires confidence. Right, like or maybe just at this stages of this of his career, but he works so much better when he's like feeling in a rhythm. And I don't mean like the rhythm of an offense where you're like stacking certain plays or like they work in conjunction with another. Like, like the, the dude is like you know going to yoga and doing breathing classes. Like, I, there is something about his aura when he is in a in like when he is feeling it. Um, and. So, of course, I would hate to see him miss two games or, like, go out for the season yeah. in some sort of, like, crushing injury. But I've seen enough. They're like, it, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't think that would change the trajectory of the team next year. I do wonder if there's a point where the Bears need to shut this dude down for the year. Where it's <laughs> like, hey, dude, dude, stop for one, it. Justin, you're keeping us in games we don't really want to be in. Yeah. And yeah. two, like, you know, if if you're saying, like, he has elite running back skills. You can, like, it is one of the most well-correlated things in statistics, like, carries per year and what happens to dudes who do it. Yep. And, like... Well, look at Cam Newton, right? Cam Newton is your, you know, RG3 is a, you know, that's... Yes, that can happen to you where you have a sort of, like, freak injury that 
der- derails your career, but Cam Newton is, I think, a much closer comp in yes. which you your body just falls apart at a certain point. And, um, and there's no one thing. It's just like, because you're superhuman. Like, the thing that always startles me about Cam Newton is you realize how big he is. He doesn't look big because he's he like... He used to do those goal line charges, though, dude. I mean, like, he was a tank. Well, no, but I also mean, like, he's got, like, really, like, average but athletic proportions. Mm-hmm. It's just... He's bigger than before. He's yeah. just like 25% <laughs> more person there. And so you would just, he he exulted in the fact that like dudes will bounce off me. Like you yeah. better send linemen because yeah. if you send the corner as the speed to catch me, I'm going to kill him. Yeah. And Fields has that too, but the hits add up. And so I do kind of wonder if at a certain point, you know, I think there was a bit of prove it for this bears front office. Yeah. At some point it's like, dude, just throw it away. Like you've proven enough. Like, or you just say, we don't want the mileage anymore. Like, you know what? We're excited about next year. Yes. We will build around you and, uh, congrats. (laughs) Enjoy the amazing draft picks we're going to get. Yeah. As you really work on your yoga. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Jaguars three and six at chiefs six. Do we do Tennessee Denver? Uh, did I miss that one? So I'm looking at I'm looking at Gridiron. No, I did miss I did I did miss that one yeah. here. Um, uh, yeah, uh, Titans uh, at uh, Denver. Um, I don't have a. St- <laughs> uh, the Titans the, ti- the Titans, Titans look uh, good. The Titans look good. They don't play modern football, but they also seem to recognize what their team is and what their strengths are. I think. Malik Willis is their like like you know their, their draft pick while yeah. Tannehill is out. He threw I think six passes against the Chiefs and they almost won. Um, and they all won in overtime. And also Derrick Henry seems to have shaken off that foot issue. Um, yeah. like I, yeah. I, I I just cannot trust the, the Broncos to do anything. No, no, and and you know to your point. Um, hey, modern football is out, dude. <laughs> like so much, <laughs> so much. The season is like, what's this team doing? Contention? Uh, they're running over people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, Jaguars three and six at Chiefs six and two. Uh, I, I think Trevor Lawrence is a is a good quarterback. Um, I, I don't know what to make of the team in in general. Um, but you know, I don't think he's going to beat Mahomes. No, I I think. I'm I'm concerned that <laughs> what's happened to Trevor Lawrence is kind of what I'm afraid. Always, like anytime the Bears get hold of a good quarterback, I'm right. like, are they going to ruin him? And I'm a little bit worried. Well, they were doing that with with with, with Fields up until about three yeah. Weeks and ago. I'm a little worried that Trevor Lawrence has been put in such a trash situation that uh, it's going to warp what what should have been a development of great talent. Hopefully. You know, hopefully that'll bears out. But in the meantime, yeah, Casey's going to smoke these dudes. Uh, Browns three and five at Dolphins six and three. When is I thought Boston it was this week, but I guess it's not. Is this when he's able to start practicing? I think it's week team? eleven. Um, I'm looking. What is the timeline for Deshaun Watson's return? Da, 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 da. Ad blocker. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, the final six games. Uh, Watts gonna be fully reinstated from suspension on November twenty. Oh wow, this is way late. Okay, like we're way off on the timeline. So yeah, November twenty eighth, and he can start on December fourth. Um, okay. so that's a, a ways off. Uh, well, I guess not a ways off, but you know, some some weeks off from now. Makes me um, more confident picking Miami. Uh, 
they look good, dude. I mean, that offense is yeah. is incredible. Also, um, Tua seems fine, which thank God. Yeah, you know, I it, it's one of those things where it's hard to tell what his ceiling is. Like, you know, they yeah. for folks that uh, don't watch a ton of football or aren't familiar with like like there are these quarterbacks who are called game managers, which is like Justin Fields is not a game manager, right? He is a quarterback who is was responsible, I think, for this the previous game for like 81% of the offense, like like a disproportionate, like that's too much. Like it's, you know, there's supposed to be, but he's a game changer that. as it he's were. He's a game changer, but a game manager is frequently someone who just do what the throw to the ball to where you're supposed to throw the ball. Um, do what you as asked of you as the coaches and do nothing more. And that can work. Like that can be enough. Like you, you can succeed in the NFL, that means you're at the mercy of the players around you, the scheme around you. But Arguably, like, can make you develop into a healthy organiz- healthier organization. Like there's sure. a lot. Like the Ravens model has always been. Lamar Jackson is an oddity in the Ravens history. Their greatest success has come with dudes who are the definition of game managers. It's like, hey, yep. The front office collects talent at other positions. All you have to do distribute is generate some decent offense, and yeah, don't fuck up. Distribute the ball. And I don't think two is bad. He like he throws the decent amount of like anticipation, but like he has the fastest players on the field in every game. Um, I mean, the way they were again, I know the Bears basically don't have a defense at this point, but well, the the, the also like if you don't have a marquee quarterback, you can afford players who are like yep. I will like w- like w- like Josh Allen took some incredible strides, absolutely. Also, uh, Diggs came to Buffalo and that offense transformed. I hope that that's, you know, the Bills are the model for the Bears going forward. That's what you are hoping they turn into as a team. And you can never quite, you can never know what's going to be that wide receiver that gets upset and wants to get traded and like what the circumstances would be. But you would, you know, you would hope that's something that shakes loose in the off season or an off season or two off seasons from now is who is that player that becomes that for fields. Um, it's not going to be Mooney. I love Mooney, but he's overhyped by bears fans because we got nothing else to get hyped about. Um, well, and and he's a totally decent player, but he's not, there's that. always a place for dudes like that in a lineup, like a really fast dude who can get open on key plays. Like always a space for that. For and that will dude. benefit tremendously from a, like Stefan Diggs equivalent right. of someone who could just eat up, you know that that is how Mooney will be, become a star is is because they if they can find if they get the weapons around him Mooney will be a beloved figure in yes. Chicago because it'll be like oh yes. man like you know feels to Mooney man that's music to my ears and it's gonna be because yeah they had to pull their best guys off Mooney yeah um so I think yeah both both Dolphins uh Texans one six and one at Giants six and two the Texans Giants may be fraudulent they're not that fraudulent. No, no, they're not. You're yeah, agreed. Uh, and I'm still rooting for them. Uh, I, it's just they're they're a fun, weird team to watch. Um, Saints three and five at Steelers two and six. Is Kenny Pickett playing? In I think this he game? still is. Yeah. The 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 so Mitch comeback did not change the uh, trajectory. Of- no, those are those are two bad teams. Um, that New Orleans said, looks less bad. They look less bad. Michael Thomas is out <clears throat> for the season, and he may just be done as a regular presence. He's had three seasons in a row now where he's not been able to be on the field with regularity. Um, but 
I just don't trust this. The Steelers have a good defense. I just don't trust them to get it done uh, offensively. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm New Orleans. Uh, Colts, <laughs> three, <laughs> five, and one at Raiders, two and six. You know Saturday is my favorite day of the week, though, Patrick. Rob, I am so – I've already locked in. I think I already – did I do my – no, I didn't do my picks yet this week. Um, But – Bro, I'm tempted to pick the Colts because that's just a chaos pick. <laughs> I know. I so I to be clear, and the Raiders, the Raiders blew a 20 and 0 lead this weekend. Oh, that's so, right, and that was a game they needed to not lose. Absolutely, this is another Josh McDaniel like exploding cigar. Yeah, he's done so. Like I, I, I'd be shocked if he made it. He'll make it through the season, but dude, who, like, can you? They also have beautiful. a Mark, Mark Davis is also a like super hands on like. Oh. Emotional. Hey, by owner. the way, Jim Irsay cited, cited Al Davis like four as times during that presser as like you know what Al Davis would say if he were here. That guy's got no fear, and that's good. <laughs> I'm like hell yeah, <laughs> hell yeah, Jim. Uh, Patrick. So I had I had I had picked Las Vegas, but you know what? Should we ride and die with the Colts? I'm here for Jeff Lasso. Okay, All right. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. We're going with the Colts. We're going with the Colts just for the if we look. And also, if we're going to do the the Saturday check in, awesome. um, can you imagine, Patrick? Can you imagine the pandemonium if they win? Not just that, but like Josh McDaniel's been this anointed, like mm-hmm. this anointed uh, future head coaching great for ages, basically for you know since you know. Since fairly early in his time as a coordinator with the Patriots, he's been earmarked for this. And it hasn't panned out. And it seems like maybe whatever he's got as a coordinator under Belichick, he just doesn't have when he takes it on the road. Can you imagine if he gets wiped out by a Colts team that effectively is just wiping the slate clean under a guy whose qualifications are, I like the cut of his jib. This Hell is total yes. aside. This is total. This is a total aside. But uh, they are now like feeling reasonably confident that uh, Fetterman is going to win in Pennsylvania. And hopefully, I'm not wrong. And I'll make someone delete it from the podcast if that goes with. But I'm just. I just want. I, I would just want that piece of shit to lose so bad. Well, and also, wanna... it's big boy season. You know, it, it is big. Hey, Pritzker reelected. Fetterman, like, like, send the big boys to the White House. Biden, get out of the way. Big boy season is here. <laughs> If you want to laugh, go look up the socialist for Pritzker, which is a This is one of the funniest memes I cannot get over. The conviction that he's secretly FDR in disguise <laughs> and is going to just like declare war on his fellow like elites. Uh, yeah, and well, just... <laughs> he's about to send in the into the, the Illinois army into Wisconsin. The Wisconsin to restore democracy. <laughs> yeah. He's been totally fine. He's you, we can do a lot worse. I'm glad he's reelected. Uh, Cowboys six and two at Packers three and six. The he's Mike not, McCarthy revenge game. Yeah, this dude, is gonna be a fucking massacre. This is deli- that offense looked unstoppable. Um, again, we don't have a defense, but I, they're not gonna put up fifty points on everybody. But I think this is gonna be. Oh, and Roger, I didn't even realize this was a matchup this week. This is delicious. He needs to make some career decisions. Eat like the hell with your stats, dude. When Micah Parsons is bearing down on you, you got to put pride aside and just hurl that ball (laughs) to heaven. 
because you just can't you like you cannot take what McCarthy and these cowboys have been cooking up. You gotta you gotta get out of the way. Wow. That might be my most anticipated game of the week. As much as I'm excited to see the Bears and Lions, that has so much potential fallout and drama. But you know, so if people aren't familiar with the backstory here, there is, I forget who ran it. There was a tremendous backstory, like backstage drama piece published about the falling out between McCarthy and Rogers with Rogers' conclusion about McCarthy. And this is shared by a lot of people is that Mike McCarthy is fundamentally kind of a lazy schlub who is like there to enjoy the perks of being an NFL head coach, but does not want to put in the hours. Uh, And the rap, the, the, the conclusion McCarthy kind of reached about Rogers and then a lot of people reached about Rogers is that he's kind of a prima donna and also will scrap the game plan entirely the minute he feels he knows better uh, and will just seize control of the team, which is effectively what the Packers have allowed him to do. Uh, but like they had a Titanic falling out that ended with like McCarthy being shown the door uh, and spending a year in the wilderness before Dallas gave him the job. So like, there's a tremendous amount of, at least at the time of their falling out, like a personal disdain between these two characters. So to have them meet at this juncture in their careers when, like, you know, there's been a bit of expo the, the whole Froggers argument has been given some <laughs> ammunition. And McCarthy, despite a abysmal start to the year, in the wake of Dak Prescott, like, being out, coached this team to a pretty good season. Now Prescott's back. They look great. McCarthy stars on the rise. Amazing timing on this uh, on this matchup. I'm with you, Patrick. This is like got this one circled. I, I pray to God they're carrying it uh, in in New England. I think the fraudulent thing is fraudulent, and I think Mike McCarthy being a good coach is fraudulent. And I'm here for both narratives because they bring me immense joy. Yep. <laughs> Cardinals three and six, Rams three and five. These teams both suck. <laughs> Who um, wants to? Which of these teams actually wants to win this game? I don't know. The Rams do. The Rams do. Um, I, 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 if I'm gonna have to pick, I'm picking the Rams just because I trust Sean McVay more than I trust. Yeah. Dipshit McGee. I forget. I forget his name. But like, they're both bad teams. Like yeah. they're both like the Rams are clearly headed towards a Sean McVay retiring and doing media like well, Aaron Donald wanted to retire last year. It's funny. And the Rams are uh, like, do you buy that? Or do you think, do you think he's just like, we're going to have to take Stafford out behind the barn and shoot him. And then I'm going to have to do this all again. I, he's I've seen some the, interviews. He, he's not the only problem. Like they, they are just un- burdened under so many bad contracts. Like when you, when you don't care about draft picks, that means you are you are building. They call them like a stars and scrubs team, where you have a very like the moment you are hit with injuries, lose players, don't hit on your off season uh, risk calculations. Like Allen Robinson, right? Like I I thought I, I truly did believe he was just tired of being on the Bears. He had not lost a step, and I was rooting for him to like have a great season in the Rams. And so actually, I'm like pretty bummed that it turns out that he is actually just. But I'm glad the Bears aren't paying him. Yes. Yes. Thank thank you, Ryan Pace, for not paying him what he wanted. Um, even as much as that like personally I wanted that player to succeed. And like so Did that you, doesn't work out. He's locked in for two years, and uh, you just don't have the money to pay other players. There was also um one podcast I listen to semi regularly is uh ESPN the Daily, which is basically their uh podcast 
magazine of all their feature stories that mm-hmm. ESPN's feature writers are doing. And they, they recap sort of a profile they'd written of Sean McVay. And I didn't find this compelling as I think they meant it to, because basically it was a portrait of a dude who just makes himself miserable being obsessed by football. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't have a lot of patience for people who are like, I've made my entire life about caring about this one thing and being amazing at it. And it sucks. And now like I've succeeded, it all worked out and I'm miserable. I'm always kind of like, yeah, you should have seen that coming. You know, this is not, this is not how human happiness tends to work. Uh, but it was a lot of like, let us, you know, we should all feel sorry for this, this, you know, rich kid who uh, dedicated his life to being a, a master NFL coach. But that being said, uh, it did kind of sound like the job, at least as he performs it, is a miserable one. And I, I do kind of wonder, I, I once cannot see him doing anything other than coaching an NFL team. And on the other hand, it kind of seems like this is a guy who would love to find the exit as quickly as possible. I I think he is going to follow the Sean Payton model and – Maybe he's with the Rams one more year and then says, oh, you need to rebuild this? Like, yeah, I'm out. And Does two years on TV, comes back yeah. next time a exciting yeah. opportunity I, arises. I think that is yeah. – and that, maybe that establishes a model going forward. Of By the way, like Sean Payton is riveting uh, when he talks about football. He's great. Like, he's, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was on the Manning cast yeah. uh, for Monday Night Football, which is a um, not particularly good game, but he is – just search for some of his media appearances. I like. I do not like Colin Colin Cowherd at all. Mm-hmm. When Peyton was on that, just talking through like how how he was analyzing this year, I was like, everyone, shut up. Sean Peyton is talking. I don't care how many bounties he put on players. It's it's great. I love it. <laughs> Besides, they broke his leg for it. That's true. The Chargers five and three at Forty Nine ers four and four. I think the Chargers are fraudulent. Yep, I think Niners. They are- I'm with you. Yeah. Also, you gotta you gotta give to your family friend. Uh, well, at this Fuck point, I don't have to do. I don't even have to do that anymore. Look at the uh, Christian McCaffrey is gonna, you know, well until he tweaks his ankle and is out for six weeks, but he looks fucking awesome on that team. Commanders four and five at Eagles eight and zero. Oh. We will not we will not root against the Eagles. This is there is no Eagles slander uh, here. Uh, uh. <laughs> we gotta check in with Austin, man. We got. Uh, I know, but but the, the other thing is this, this again. Talk about things that are. Well, we're going timed. to. We will check in with Austin, Chicago Bears oh, schedule. God. We're going to check in with Austin around this. Yes, God this has got to be what it is. I mean, I haven't told Austin this, but uh, no. But Austin does that thing where he pretends to have sympathy with us, but he really doesn't. Like, remember when he was like, "This is you guys." I'm so sorry about the double doink, but we knew he wasn't. We knew he is, wasn't. This is why this is why this is I mean, imagine like the narratives that could be building at that point, Rob. Like what if Justin Fields is just on a heat check and what if they're what would it be? Uh, so. It would be like 11 or 12 and 0 or 13 and 0 or something at that point. Like that sounds like fun. God, what that if Fields like and Hurts is like the NF- turns out to be the NFC equivalent, though, of like Mahomes and Allen. Let's Where it's like, me. this is going to be the future of the week. Sign me up for that. Yeah. Also, but uh, speaking of like like the, 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 the timing of this week, so just like Dallas and Green Bay, Philly, an incredible run, just an absolute heater, coming and delivering a body blow, an exec- a public execution of uh, the commanders. 
at a time when this is a franchise whose ownership might be about to be publicly executed by NFL standards, which is which is that we need you to sell your prized asset and become richer, but also ashamed and fade into irrelevance. Because that it appears that this might actually be happening, right? This is a story we didn't get to, but like the commanders are on the it appears they are going to be on the auction block soon, uh, overseen yeah. by a by Bank of America in terms of the valuation and administration of the sale. But like, uh, <laughs> once or once Ursay got in front of a microphone and said, "We're all ready to die, uh, shoot your shot." Uh, Snyder may have blinked. <gasps> yes. Uh, so that's going to do it for another episode of, of sports. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow Waypoint on Twitter uh, at Waypoint or on Twitch at Twitch.tv/Waypoint on YouTube at YouTube.com/Waypoint Vice. Our writing. In the rare occasions that we find the time uh, is at waypoint.vice.com. This episode is premiering at free and waypoint plus, uh, which you can subscribe to and gain access to early episodes, exclusive episodes and free episodes and more at waypointplus.com. This will premiere later in the week. We've been, we've been putting these up on Saturdays ahead of the kickoff for the Sunday games of NFL football. Um, That's when you'll be able to listen to this uh, or will be listening to this. If you're listening to it on the main feed, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Patrick Klupik. Rob, how about you? At Rob Zachney. But capitalism, bear down, baby. It's just a feels time, baby! This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.